0: every quarter <laughs> All right. again i have the distinct pleasure of introducing laura perkins who um has is no stranger to this church um she travels to from maine um here with her husband who is singing this morning from what i heard he has wonderful singers she plays flute she teaches classes all pretty much all over the united states yes um, Close to mostly. Yeah, and mostly. In New York, Massachusetts, Maine, and Arizona. Yeah, yeah she's a lot of <laughs> places. So, um, she's a wonderful speaker. Uh, she's a great spiritualist, and I turn over the podium to Laura Perkins. Thank you. Gosh, it's it's wonderful to see so many familiar faces here this morning. Feels like old home week. <laughs> um. Spiritualism has been the foundation, and and for <coughs> probably three decades, um, the rock in my life that I always came back to. And in all of the classes that I teach, although I'm not out, oh, I, I can speak it's, less. No, larger, I know. It's- although i'm you know i'm not going out as a representative of nsac i'm working on my own but many of the foundational principles of spiritualism are present in all my work and because it's been probably 8 or 10 years since i've spoken here although my husband and i were married by sandy and jean fort miller back at the old hotel <laughs> When we used to meet there and have a hundred people many times for, for our services. Um, I've been doing, as, as Javi said, a lot of traveling. And I've also been doing a lot of writing. Um, and this is not a sales pitch. It relates to my talk today. But I thought, gosh, when you haven't seen people whom you've been this intimate with for that long, how do you put everything into a ten-minute talk? to explain what you've been doing, and I thought, well, I could do a little show-and-tell. And And, uh, that might be one way. So my last three books have uh, all been spiritual books, although Ken and I do continue to do the Native American work. And we've done five CDs, um, three audio books. Um, We've had 14 grants, but many of those were for spiritual work as well. I ended up being a member of the Alex Tanis Foundation. Many of you know him because he was the, one of the founders of the Rhine Center Institute in North Carolina, and the Alex Tanis Library is at Duke University at the Rhine Center. And um, I'm the only non-family member on that board of directors, but we give some very decent grants. We give three to six each year for spiritual projects. And it's something that you might want to think about. Um, They very easily turn over $5,000 or more every year to many different places. Um, We just had an influx of $600,000. So that's something that you might want to think about um, with your organization here that could help you in some way. So the other things I've been doing... Um, When I was editor of the National Spiritualist Summit magazine for six years, um, there were some specific topics that each month, that was a monthly uh, magazine at that time, each month I would always get feedback about what seemed important to people. So some of those writings that I had as the editor's essay, um, I rewrote and put in this book, Lighting Your Spiritual Passion, and the essay in the front of this um, came in third in the International Writer's Digest Inspirational Essay Contest, which is the largest contest in the world for inspirational writing. So that was fun. That was like a little shot in the arm. And um, I, the one essay in here that I think has been the most meaningful to people is the one about clutter. Um, When you have clutter in your home, when you have clutter in your mind, there's not enough room for spirit to enter, and how we have to clean up those things in order to make space internally. The next one that I did was three minutes a day for 30 days can change your life, and I believe this is true in all of my spiritual teaching that I do I believe if you can make a, just a tiny commitment, you can have 1,437 other minutes during the day mm-hmm. to do whatever you want with, but if you can commit to three minutes a day to being totally present for spirit, your life will begin to change if you do it at the same time every day and if you never miss a time. That's hard in our busy world. Many people can't find a time when they think they can't be interrupted. One woman came back to uh, a second class on that, and she said, um, she said, I couldn't do it last Friday. I missed. She said, do I have to start over? She was like at day 17. I said, I think you should. But I said, that's your decision. She sa- I said, why couldn't you do it? And she said, well, I was at a party. And I said, didn't they have a bathroom? She said, well, of course they had a bathroom. I said, couldn't you have gone in the bathroom for three minutes for that appointment with spirit?" Those are the things that are really important in our lives when we want our lives to open and move in certain directions. And then last summer, my husband was very ill. A lot of you know that. He's fine now, or almost fine. <laughs> but, um, um, and I, it was months of waiting to see how this was going to turn out. So, guess what? <laughs> waiting, the sacred quivering of the soul, came out of that time. And um, all of these topics that I've chosen to write about are all applicable to this one-page talk I'm going to do for you today. I have a spiritualist minister friend. She and I have been email pen pals, oh, for 15 years. We probably exchange emails three or four times a week about very personal things that are going on in our lives. Sometimes it's real easy for someone to be objective if you're not sitting in front of them. <laughs> they are, it's real easy. They can, they can read what you've written, and, and she and I do that for each other. I help her with her church in Dayton. She helps me with things in my classes. We proofread things for each other. It's Reverend Francis Montgomery, And it's a small little church in Dayton. She never goes to the national conventions, although she goes to Lilydale once in a while. When I've been at Lilydale teaching, um, she will show up. But um, I find that we all benefit from having people in our lives who can be very objective. So today's short talk is going to be, and remember the foundation, okay, when we have to wait for things, and setting up a short, just one month, just 30 days (laughs) of three minutes a day at any time you choose, whatever your special number is for you. We all, as we grow spiritually, we still confront situations that we often feel like we simply don't know how to deal with. I don't care how wise we are. You know, if we are Mark Twain, you know, and somebody asked him, how do you know if you can trust somebody? He said, well, you just trust him, and you find out. Or if you're Abraham Lincoln, you know, who was a firm believer in spiritualism and had mediums in the White House. It doesn't matter who you are. As we grow, our situations also become bigger than enter our lives. They become more serious often, often they involve more people, because we are expanding and growing, and that magnetic draw that we have when we are an ambassador for spirit draws people to us who have problems as well. That's what kindness does. I mean, when we're kind to people, we are like a magnet, it doesn't really matter what our background is. It matters at the core who we are. So I've written here there are times in life when all of us have felt that we simply cannot deal with something. We can't handle what's going on. We don't know how to recon- reconcile our physical existence with our spiritual lives. We've tried, we've prayed. Sometimes we beg, we've done our best, and yet things still seem like they are spinning out of control. We all have times like this, and what we learn in spiritualism is to trust spirit, to not live from fear, which you all know, F-E-A-R, stands for false expectations appearing real, I've heard I'm sure you've heard this in many classes. These are the times when we really have to put the jurisdiction of what's going on around us, the the problem-solving power. We have to give it over to infinite intelligence. The problem is, we often do that in prayer but we don't leave it there. We don't say, you know, I don't know what to do with this, please help me. I'm offering it up to you, and then a few days later something else happens and we want to take that back. (laughs) We want to say, okay, well maybe I should have done this, and maybe if I do this, it will help in that situation. If we truly trust in a higher power, then we need to follow through with a deep level of commitment. Once we have turned our problems over to God, we need to back up. That is so hard for us to do. It is so difficult to do as a human being. You know, if we'd been able to fix that situation, we would have fixed it. Obviously, we weren't able to. Sometimes even prayer doesn't seem to be working. We all know that when we beg in prayer, the energy just completely stalls. Because if we beg, you know, please, please help me, I can't handle this, nothing's going to happen. There will be no response from that kind of energy put out. Why? Because it shows that we don't trust. When we beg, it demonstrates a lack of trust. Most of us understand that when we worry, that's of course negative energy, and when we send out negative energy in times, in stressful times, we magnify the situations. It's really important that we stay positive, but how in the heck <laughs> can we do that when we feel often responsible for someone who's terminally ill? You know, we don't know whether we should unplug them or not. When we have issues of rejection going on in our lives, which are the most painful things. For most human beings, we don't know what to do. So this reminded me of a story about a farmer. <laughs> we'll bring this right back to basic ground roots letter, level, who plants seeds. He doesn't go out, the farmer doesn't, every morning, and pull the seeds out of the ground to see if they've started to sprout, does he? <laughs> That's what we keep doing. Humans do this over and over. That would completely defeat the purpose. Had they started to grow, had a solution started to develop to your problem, you might be uprooting that solution and stop the whole growth process, just like the farmer would have stopped that seed from developing. A farmer plants, trusts nature to take her course, and then gives the time needed for that germination to take place. So germination is a lot like problem solving. I just thought that was a, a good comparison. The seeds do germinate. And it isn't a mystery how they germinate. It's, I mean, it's all by natural law, which spiritualists live by. The plants begin to push through the soil, and they begin to mature. Just like whatever the problem is, it gets solved. Maybe not the way we wanted to, but we mature from going through the process. In the same way, when we place things in the hand of spirit through prayer, we should act like the farmer. We should exercise patience, trust infinite intelligence, and allow time for God to work in our lives. There is an exercise that we can do to help this. And I know this works. Always remembering that we have no right to try to change anyone except ourselves, which is often difficult as well. We always pray for the highest and best good for all people involved. Always remember that. You're not just praying that your situation can be resolved in the highest and best interest for yourself but for all concerned. Chances are things didn't get to wherever they are in our lives overnight so issues are not going to be resolved overnight. Whatever is going on will change because change is the only constant we have in our life and things will evolve. When you have a spiritual practice that is effective You can employ it over and over again for any kind of situation. If you want to learn to play an instrument, you have to practice. Just like you would if you were trying to pitch a baseball or learn to sew or knit. If you were cooking, working with wood, whatever you want to learn to do, when you practice it regularly, things will begin to open for you. Using a trusted method for working with infinite intelligence is really a tremendous gift. So what is this magical formula? It's something I learned from Reverend Francis Montgomery in Dayton, Ohio. I had a situation I just didn't know what to do with in my life. It had been going on for a very long time. Frances is 82 years old, still selling real estate full-time and pastoring a church for 42 years. Busy, active woman, kind of woman I really admire. <laughs> I like people who stay in the game and keep, keep doing it. I'm 73, I'm teaching 75 classes a year usually, and doing a lot of public speaking and other things, and so many of my friends say to me, why do you push yourself so hard? It would, I would feel much more pressure if I didn't do it. It's what I was born to do. I think I was a born educator. I'm a spiritual educator, and that's what I was born to do. NSAC has often said to me, why don't you get ordained? I can't answer that. I don't know why, except I know I'm a teacher at the core. That's who I am. Being ordained wouldn't change that. I'd still be a teacher at the core. Maybe someday I might do that. I don't know. But I always try to follow where I'm being led. And this little prayer, and if you want a copy of it, I do have a few copies that I brought with me. It's very short. This is what Frances used at a very difficult time in her own life, which was... 55 years ago and she still uses it when you find something that is right for you use it and that's why only you can decide what your spiritual practice is going to be you can run up to Sedona and spend thousands and thousands of dollars you can follow all of these gurus around I had a girlfriend who did this for years She'd go spend $2,000 this weekend, you know. she just on and on and on and never found the right path. It's because she didn't stop long enough to design her own. Take whatever feels right to you from whatever religious belief and incorporate it into your own practice. You know what your foundation is anyway. Nobody else does. So the prayer is this. I place myself and problem whatever the problem is in the hands of the loving infinite spirit only that which is in our highest good will come to us bless us protect us make spirit's face shine upon us keep us healthy and help us find the correct way for the highest and best good of all concerned in the name of spirit, as this is spoken, so it shall be done. Amen. Very simple. You can write your own simple prayer like this. And when using this prayer, she recommends visualizing the hands of spirit coming toward you in, um, out of you know, white light of infinite intelligence. And she thinks of these hands that are reaching toward you as a cup, to receive the problem that you are going to place in that cup so that spirit can draw that problem back into the complete spiritual realm. And whenever you feel yourself start to worry again about this same issue, or if the but what if starts creeping in, she says to act like a mother cat. Pick that problem up by the nape of the neck, just as a cat would pick up her kitten to put back into the kitten bed. You're going to pick up the problem, put it right back in those hands again. When you place that problem in the hands of spirit, sometimes you might feel really aggravated that, gee, I thought I gave this away and it's coming back again. She says to mentally throw it, just literally. Take that aggravation and throw the problem back into those hands so that you're being very uh, forcible about your actions. By doing that, you exercise your ability to stay positive. I'm giving away the negative energy and I'm doing it in a physical manner. Uh, You're curtailing the negativity that is encased in all the worry. You remain consistent in your commitment to work with the problem by giving it away, while keeping yourself and your ego, which is really your personal wishes about how this problem might be solved, you keep those out of the way. You're allowing spirit to decide what is the best solution for you. And you don't have to try to work it all out at one time. Pick a priority issue in your life. Take the most immediate situation that's going on and stick with it until some kind of permanent understanding or solution appears. And then start over again. Do it with the next area of your life. You can do this over and over, but give it time to unfold for you. Francis wrote to me, this is a powerful prayer that works. It will work for you, but only if you work with it. I love the part about the cat. Because <laughs> often, I mean, gonna, those problems are going to come creeping back in. That's the pattern we've developed. So learning to work with spirit does take practice. We all know that. It's a lifelong commitment. It's intention and commitment, just like Wayne Dyer talked about for 40 years and wrote 47 books about in 44 different languages. (laughs) I said to him once at a Hay House conference in Vegas, I had a chance to talk to him in the hall for 20 minutes one day. I had asked him if he would have time to meet with me, and he said yes. He said, when everybody's in this next group thing, about 5,000 people in the room, he said, let's step outside. And so he talked to me in the hall. I said, how? You have written all of these books about two words, intention and commitment. He said, yes, I have. He said, that's all you need. And I thought he's right. He's right. If you know how to give your problems over, and if you have contention and commitment, results will begin to appear. It doesn't work for you, but the process will work with you. So, Thank you. It's great to be here.